Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Nightmare Cinema. How are you doing, John? I'm, I'm fine. How are you? I'm all right, you know. I'm, I'm really good. I went for a very long weekend away um, on Sunday. Well, weekend into the week. Over to Wales, we went camping. We had a lovely, relaxing time. Camping? Yeah. Saw loads of places um, in Wales. It was boss. They're going to tent in there? Yeah. We're too old for that alcohol. No. Well, you might be. I'm not. Did you sleep in a bed or on the floor? We, we slept on an airbed. Oh, I suppose that's okay. It was re- It was good. It was good. What have you been up to since I've been away? Uh, I've been working very hard on improving my life. Mm-hmm. Failing quite a lot, but uh, it's going okay. <laughs> I'm having a bit of a week off next week because my mates getting married. Oh. oh, I should say, our beloved friends Mike and Amy, who are regular contributors to this show, are getting married oh. at long, long, long last. Three years in the making. This is. And oh, on, that's and, amazing. And a week tomorrow. Tomorrow is Saturday, so Saturday the sixteenth. They are getting married. I cannot wait. And this podcast and us both of us send every bit of love we've got because it's going to be amazing absolutely oh congratulations both of you and you john you seem very excited by it oh it's my big day as well i've got a bit of a <laughs> bit, bit, big job enough about them i've got a big job as well oh i'm uh, i'm doing another beautiful reading from one of from uh, a line or two of verse i've uh, penned myself oh you penned so yourself i apologize in advance for stealing the show but what's what we do god i dread to bloody think someone please video this and send it to me and now i'm shitting myself <laughs> shall we begin yes let's argue I forgot we've got to talk about Scream for 10 minutes ago. Well, we actually haven't, so I've not brought any Scream news um, this time. I do have some little bits and pieces, but again, a bit of a dry week in terms of horror news. Did you detect anything out there, John, on the Tinterweb? No. It's... It's dry, isn't it? Dry. It, it's, it's a crisis. Is, is the genre a crisis point, is my question. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> is the answer since, <laughs> oh, since the early 2000s I was trying 2000s, to be rhetorical in no I mean since the early 2000s it's been 20 years yeah, yeah we need a revolution now um, okay so have you ever seen a little film John called Terrifier no right it sounds like a 1980s thrash metals band well it does have some 70s 80s vibes to it but it is a horror film about a killer clown called Art the Clown no real explanation as to who he is, where he comes from, or why he's doing what he's doing. It is a really, really good indie film. I'll be honest with you, John. It is really good. Terrifier 2, it's been announced. Um, so they're, they're bringing um, Art the Clown back. I'm sort of not going to spoil how they're going to do that. But if you are interested, do take a look around. Um, I think you can probably find it on the big big sites like bloody disgusting um but yeah it's that's that's a really cool announcement so i'm quite excited about that i think that's been quite a few years in the making to be honest um other piece of news john i don't know how don't know how excited you're going to be about this but bram stoker's dracula is getting a 30th anniversary 4k ultra hd release in steelbook steelbooks you know people collect them Uh, that's really weird i Mm. watched that with rage the other day Oh, and she'd never seen it before. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those films, isn't it, that you've got to kind of watch. But when you rewatch it again, I don't think it works. 
on the same Ooh. level or as much. This this is what this is what's been missing. Oh, we've we've been too happy <laughs> because too happy you're wrong it. for a start. Because maybe, it's brilliant. Maybe we need to do Bram Stoker's Dracula in an episode. Yes, we do. Up. I think that would be a good idea. It's bloody. I forgot how good it was. Little bit at times too arty, but that's just Coppola for you. And a little I bit can, at times I, quite calm. I, I can wait, wait for this jokeette. I can Coppola with that. <laughs> Very well done, John. Very well done. Um, another <laughs> piece of 4K Ultra release news is, I know what you did last summer, is getting a very similar release. And this time it's going to include deleted scenes, which I'm pretty excited about because um, I love all that stuff to see what they what they cut out and, and what they chose to include. John, did you know that I Know What I Did Last Summer was based on a novel? I did. Do you know why? Uh, go on. Because you told me. I told you the <laughs> I've been trying to, I'm trying to find it on eBay. I don't just want some rehashed version. I want to find the original copy of the book, but that's proven quite difficult. Do you know what? I don't actually mind that film. It's stupid and uh, pathetic, but it's charming. I don't think it's stupid or pathetic. I think, I think there's some questionable well. performances in there. Um, but it's, it's, it is very silly. But it, there's something, it's got it's something slash, about it. It's isn't it? I mean, it was written by... Well, the, the screenplay was written by Kevin Williamson, who obviously wrote Scream and uh, Dawson's Creek. Um, so I, <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, that'll definitely be a purchase. Also, the last thing on my news item list, which is probably more than I've brought in recent weeks, John, is that the Duffer Brothers of Stranger Things fame have launched Upside Down Pictures. And they will be working on a Stranger Things spin-off series and also a series based on Talisman by Stephen King. Have you finished season four? I've literally two? got the last episode to watch. So I I'm I'm very moist though for you. Do you know what, John? I think I've had it spoiled online and I'm pretty devastated to be honest with you. Um, no, I don't want to watch it. Mm. We're devastated that it's been spoiled for me. Yeah, I'm quite fond of these characters. And there's like kids, then you can't say that. But, <laughs> but but I'm quite fond of these characters, and I'm a bit worried. Like something horrible is going to happen. Something horrible is going to happen, and I feel like that is Dawson. Uh, not Dawson. Oh my God, Hawkins High motto is something awful is about to happen. Um, so that's all the news so far. Are you ready to continue, John? Yeah. Okay, so this time we chose... <laughs> I chose at random. Um, I went on to Now TV and checked out the horror section and found a little film called We Still Say Grace. And based on the description, I thought this was going to be a really good watch. So it's written and directed by Brad Helm Helmink and John Rauschelbach, <laughs> who are both short film writers and directors. So they, this is their first feature film. Um, this stars uh, Bruce Davison, uh, Davison, sorry, Davison. Um, of the Crucible fame, also X Men and TV series like Ozark, um, and Holly Taylor, who I didn't recognise. Um, but she's also in The Americans and in that awful TV show about the airplane called Manifest. Oh! Yeah. That was yeah. my feeling towards Manifest too. John, 
<laughs> what did you think about this film? Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, I'm ready. At least they tried. Okay, that's interesting. The the, the two indie filmmakers who had a go, and it's, there's an honesty about it. Um, I'm trying. Um, but I'm failing because okay. it was it was so fucking boring. Mm. It had a few interesting moments and so many. Go, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why aren't you doing that? Which is, I know, is a staple of horror, but it it was just it, it there was about thirty two million cliches in this, mm. and to, by the eighteenth million one, you were bored of it, and. I just, I did, I did like when um, you, you they, they set the scene and it, you feel like they're all in old worldy times and then the lads knock on the door. I thought, hello. Um, yeah, but even and then nothing else happened. <laughs> even that's been done and it's been done better by M. Night Shyamalan in the village. Um, yeah, but he he can't get away with things like this anymore. No. He needs 12 amazing films to get him back in my good books. Until then, he can he can go away. For what he's done in recent years. I, I mean... What, it, how, can, how can what... Right. T- t- get a cup of tea. Right. How can one man have the career that he's had when he's made one, two, two and a half-ish good films? Well, one brilliant one. And he's had ten utter ca- calamities... But oh. I mean, the calamities in our eyes—they must have. You must be doing something right in terms of commercials and and financials. I mean, look at Marvel. Some of the worst films ever made, and yet they're making absolute billions in the box office. That's that's the thing. These aren't the happening bombed. The the beach thing with the old people bombed. Oh. The one with the lady in the swimming pool bombed. The other they It's just a a list of holocaustal disasters. Oh shit. Are you allowed to say that? I don't know. Oh, you are now. I'm talking about that one. I'm talking about this one. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I just... I didn't even think for a second that this was based in the old days because the title was We Still Say Grace. So I just yeah. thought this is people who were living oh, in their own sort of traditional way. Um, and it was an eventuality that people were going to show up from the outside and... All oh, that sort of now, stuff. You, now you've made me feel a bit silly. Well, no, don't feel silly because that's just that's just what you've took from the film, and that's that's absolutely fine. Um, but there is not much to take from this film. You were absolutely right; it was very boring. The guys who show up at the door seem very accepting of absolutely everything that is going on around them, and I couldn't decide whether that was lazy character writing or whether that was really representative of the type of young people that we have in the world now where they're just they don't want to offend anybody um i couldn't really make that distinction but they were saying the f word in people's houses and stuff but they didn't it was just it was was just strange because like the the signs that something was not right was so early on Mm -hmm. and anyone would have just gone yeah i'll drive on the flat tire that's the other thing right do you know if you're in danger, why does a flat tyre mean you can't drive your car? The wheel will still go round because and you, it will move. You're not supposed to. So 
if you if you drive on a on a on the metal part of your of your wheel, the whole thing will need replacing. Yeah, I know, I know, I know all that. But like, if you're in a situation like that, and like in so many where your life is in danger, fuck the wheel. I'm driving that car. Well, they didn't think the life was in danger when it was just a flat tire, and I think they couldn't get the car started when they started to realise something was wrong. However, I probably would have walked. Um, they they don't. I think they try that and they don't end up going back. I mean, it's it's one of those films that is completely not memorable. I mean, I only watched it last week and I'm I'm really struggling for any standout moments or any standout performances. Um, none of the cast I think delivered on that at all. Um, which which a massive shame, a massive shame. And um, I think this is one of those examples where people say go you, you know your first film make a good horror film no not everybody can make a good horror film and i wish that people wouldn't think that that's an easy thing to do because you failed this to me is not even a horror film it's a drama <laughs> um, it this it was not I, I don't understand how it ended up in the horror section i didn't find anything particularly horrific about it it did feel like a drama to me or one of those um six part Netflix documentaries about a weird cult. Um Yeah, it was just it had some okay moments, but it was just they were just so few and far between. And that, and they didn't build on anything. It was like, mm. oh that was a bit odd, moving on. Um, <laughs> it was very flat. I mean, very flat. Yeah. I mean yeah, this is a two year old film and this is the first time I've come across it, which I mean probably says a lot. No one's even spoke about it and you know, I, I love horror films and I've not even heard yeah. of it. I think I think what it is, it's evidence of just how fucked horror films are at the moment. Um, because th- this is the standard that, that you've got. This is what so many of them are like. Mm. I and mean, you're what, just sitting there and you're going, what the fuck is going on like that? What did you think of the twist that was not a twist and we sort of all saw it coming? There was a twist that he, that he wasn't their dad, and he was um, he'd actually I taken give a them. Shit. Yeah, okay. It, did, it, it was like honestly, it, that should have been that. What the fuck? Like mm. they should have like their parents should have been alive downstairs or something. Like yes, tongues cut out or something. It, exactly, and I that's what I kept waiting for. Like, well, okay, so if you've provided me with that twist so early on, you must have something else to deliver in terms of who are these girls then. And nothing. We didn't get any of it, and you know we didn't even get that sort of. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> Yeah. It, it just it just wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. He was he was, I I spent about a good ten minutes wanting like doing this dream casting thing, going, I can think of so many other actors who should be playing him, mm-hmm. and I do like Bruce Davidson. He's he's good, mm-hmm. uh, but I was thinking Jeff Bridges would do that. But the one I settled on was Clancy Brown. I thought he would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was doing, and from about forty one minutes to fifty five. I have no idea what happened because I fell asleep. Uh, and I flatly refused to wind it back. I was just saying, do you know what? You deserve this. So fucking so, deal with it. I mean, yeah. to be honest, Sean, I don't think you missed much. And I'm saying this from the perspective of not really being able to remember it. But I think there was a lot of, like, 
talk around. Oh, we found a car. Oh, it won't start. Oh, it starts. Oh no, we we can't. We can't use it. And then people start to die. And then um, that's it. Yeah. it ends. I I just to end this so we can get onto the good stuff. Um, I don't actually blame this film. This is bizarre because the people who make these films are getting funded because people like Netflix are buying them and people who get in from work on a Friday night and just want to veg in front of something they're not even watching it mm. it's just on and that's what's keeping these films alive so now I, I sort of to get your perspective but now I'm completely blaming the writer like you wrote this and it's shit and you must know it's shit because nothing happens but they won't hear you because they're counting money well it can't be that much money it's in the arse end of now TV but the budget was it'll make the budget back easy think? oh yeah oh fuck yeah no way I don't believe oh yeah I don't believe it if they get if they get put on Netflix for three years they'll make it back and make a profit they're not on Netflix they're on now TV which hardly anyone's the, got that one that one however now, now TV is Sky yeah I was just about to say that mm. yeah but Sky right. hasn't got the best it's shit let's either. move on um, okay, so our next film that John chose... Are we going to do the, 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 the... It's obviously Certified Nightmare, like... Oh, sugar, yeah, we need to vote. No, the point of this podcast. Yeah, I forgot. Um, <laughs> well, that's what it is. It's Certified Nightmare, let's move on. Uh, yeah, it is. It's Certified Nightmare for both of us, and we don't need to explain ourselves to you. So Right, what film are we doing now? We are doing the, 19, the 1976... The Omen. Masterpiece. Um, <laughs> so this was written by David Seltzer and directed by Richard Donner. Um, it stars Gregory Peck. May he rest Peck. in peace. May he rest in peace. And it stars Gregory Peck. May he rest in peace. And Lee Remick, who also May should, she should rest, rest in, in peace. peace, I think. Yes. She. Um, so obviously it's The Omen, isn't it? Like it's, it's, a, it's a horror staple. It is an absolute classic. Um, whether you like horror films or not, it, it is that it is one of those films. Um, it, it's held in such high regard by fans and critics. And um, me. And John. And so, I mean, do I really need to ask you what you think of this film, John? Well, yeah. Well, what do you think of this film, John? It is an unbridled masterpiece. It is in my personal holy unholy trinity which consists of this the exorcist and the shining because they are the three best horror films ever made ever made this is i love gregory peck i love i i he's one of those people i just want him to i want him to speak to me all night i want him to read me like the the great works of western literature (laughs) at night and not in that gravelly husky tone he's got and he's he's to see him in a film like this, and for, and it to work so well, it's it's it, it, all of it's brilliant. Can I? I mean, the kid, the kid that did grow up to be Sam Neill, which is a bit of a shit, but same guy again. He grew up to be Sam Neill, didn't he? He was in Sam Neill played him in the third film. Oh my god! I, I thought I completely missed the fact that this was Sam Neill as a kid. I was like, what? What the hell has happened? But yes, you are absolutely right. Sam, Sam Neill did play him later on. <laughs> Wow, sorry, I thought I'd tripped into like an alternative universe then. Um, so d- let's just go back to Gregory Peck. Oh, I'd love to. So, 
<coughs> Gregory Peck, uh, w- one of the most famous actors of his time and one of the most talented actors of his time. And I'm saying of his time because he's not a great actor. <laughs> um, what? He's, he's not. His performance is so wooden and in part it reminded me of John Wayne. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean like going around with guns and acting like the man's man. I mean the fact that uh, John Wayne was that wooden and couldn't really act. Um, that's the impression I got from Gregory Peck. And when he did try to emote and when he did try to act, it was so stagey. It was so stage school. It was... But, I mean, this is a few years after, and I'm going to compare it to The Exorcist, the acting in The Exorcist. And I, I feel like this all comes down to directorial d- decisions. Um, the, the Exorcist was three years earlier, and the performances in that film versus the performances in this film there is just no comparison and it comes down to Gregory's really really cheesy theatre school acting Uh, you can't disagree with me John I know you can't disagree with me because right I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you in the next five seconds because guess what I'm gonna do I'm gonna disagree with you because I think it's brilliant I think he plays you have to remember what role he's playing he's playing a dignified uppity politician who doesn't know how to do these things he's not he's not he doesn't have any actual bond there's that I think that's what it is in the exorcist that's a mother a proper no I don't want to say biological but she's an actor and in this he's not he's a line it's the connection that they focus on in, in in the exorcist it's the love between them and if he has to learn that this kid is the devil and it's like no wonder I didn't feel anything for him because this fucking kid is the devil no I know I understand to an extent what you're saying you're still wrong as shit I mean I'm definitely not I know that I'm not I know that I'm not there is there's this is not to do with the relationship between a father and a son this film because Damien's hardly in it um, this is about his relationship with his wife, his relationship with God, his relationship with politics and all that stuff. His performance is not a good performance and I will not have anyone say to me, oh, but it was 1976, so what? I've just watched Ellen Bernstein in 1973 outperform and run circles around this man. Not an excuse. Not an excuse. I don't he cannot think- act. It was like watching an episode of Star Trek in places, yeah. the 1960 <laughs> Star Trek. It was that bad. I, I agree. Well, I see what you're saying. And Ellen in The Exorcist is unparalleled. But this is just different. And I think it still works. But no, it's that's not okay. Because this is a film, John. And he's an actor. And he's getting paid to act. Just like Ellen Bernstein was. And I can... I can Guarantee she was probably paid a lot less than Gregory Peck was for this role and she run circles around him and she probably still could if he was still alive. And, I, and I'm sorry, I'm just not having it. I'm just not having it. His performance was shite. And when I go to his wife, Lee Remick, her performance was even worse. Like, oh my God. I don't remember her at all. Well, there you go. I mean, at least it wasn't Moonface, what's her face from the, uh, from the remake. Um, but no, <laughs> Julia Styles. Yeah, Julia Styles. The pair of them. It was. It was like 
the omen stage play is like what i was watching but this is a film and you should be real people it's different on stage because you've got to act in a certain way for your audience to be able to see it and feel it but on film you don't have to do that you don't I have think it gets that. away with it no because you're he's a politician how and politicians how? aren't human no how can him be the politician <laughs> how can him be the politician do that again no how can him being a politician relate to him being a bad actor? They, they're not even, they're not even, no, no, absolutely not, John. I'm not having this. I'm absolutely not having this. So, uh, no, he, he can't act. And that's the top and bottom of it. And when I think yeah, back Have you to, just said Gregory Peck can't act? I fucking say it again, yeah. He can't act. And when I look back to watching To Kill a Mockingbird... you've got no <laughs> When I look back to watching To Kill a Mockingbird, a really great film, can't act. He can't. And I mean, you can say what you want, disagree with me. I'm absolutely fine with that. You usually disagree with me anyway. Yeah. The guy's not an actor. Bollocks. He can read a few lines, he can memorize lines, that's great. And he's got a few acting skills in there in terms of overacting and melodrama. Um, but that's it. The guy's not a great performer. Sorry. And I'm not saying that by today's standards, I'm saying it by the standards of the 70s, by seeing other films around that era where people can act. He can't. But let's move forward, John, from, from the performance, because I don't want to um, eat, eat all that up. Um, with bullshit. With my perfectly reasoned and balanced <laughs> argument. Um, so, go, go on, tell me why, why you love this film, other than Gregory Peck. Because it's wonderful, because there's an ominous layer of menace over it. Mm-hmm. And... Gregory Peck's acting is phenomenal. <laughs> Let's not go back uh, on that. No, I just love, I just love the story. I love the whole conspiracy, un- underlying conspiracy. I love the way that it's properly researched. I love the way that it's directed. I love the way that you just don't know what's going to happen. Don't shake your head at me, little man. <laughs> so it, it's, it's I, just fabulous. I think. Well, I mean, let's talk about the direction because, yeah, visually, parts of that film are are really... It looks amazing, parts of it. Um, and I think um, what he does, what he handles really, really well is when they're out in the real world and they're not on a set um, and he's allowed to show, like, the scope and the grandeur of certain, like, uh, locations or buildings or whatever. I think when it doesn't do well and when it doesn't look good is when they're on sets. And the, the scene that's particularly coming to mind is when they're on the in the cemetery scene and um, the dogs attack just just shortly after and they, they manage to escape. It just, again, looks a bit like a Star Trek set. Um, it just looks a bit hokey. It doesn't look great. Um, and I do think that it is his directorial decision that has led to those acting choices, just to bring that back around. In a full circle, um, in terms of the menace that you that you mention, I sort of get your point there. There there is a layer of menace on there, but I don't think it goes far enough. Really, I don't. I don't feel like there is enough in that film for a man to warrant a full on belief to the extent that he would kill his son. That that son was the devil or the son of the devil. I don't think there is enough content in the film to warrant that behaviour. 
You're hard work today, you. I, I mean, I, look, John, I've, I've just watched the film like we always do, and I've, maybe I've had a more critical head on today, uh, but I, and I've, I've seen the film so many times, and I do enjoy watching it, but this time... I just thought, no, I'm not going to take your fucking bullshit omen. I'm going <laughs> to absolutely dissect you and pick you apart and see what's left after I've done that. And to be honest, it's probably a ribcage that's left and that's it. Yeah, but what a ribcage. But what a ribcage. I do feel like, I mean, it's, it feels like a long film because parts of it are quite lengthy and quite boring, to be honest with you. Um, and in those boring parts, it is not continuing to build tension, unfortunately for me. Um, whereas in other slow burn films like Alien, that tension you can feel is steadily rising. This doesn't achieve that. Um, and I don't know if that was an intent um, or, or what, or just just my personal feeling on that film. Um, but they don't, it doesn't manage to achieve it for me. I don't know what to say. You're right, Sean. You're wrong. I can't be. <laughs> I think I think it's very very well made. I think I think Richard Donner is one of those directors that does not in any way get the credit he deserves. I've just had a quick look now at this as something fifty five best movie directors of all time. Mm. He's not even on it. I mean, it, I'm not surprised by that. I can't believe you are. I think he's brilliant. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't got like the 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 identity of Kubrick or the fucking celebration of Orson Welles, but he makes very good films. That I the, the original Superman, which is just excellent. Mm. Um, Lethal Weapon, that's mm. a bit of a Marmite film, but they are good. The Goonies. The Goonies. Uh, Speaks for itself. Does. Uh, Scrooged, which is excellent. That is a good film, actually, John, but I can't watch yeah, that because I've watched it so many times. I think what it is, I th- where I, I, and I'm going to kind of accept what you said there. So, they're entertaining. They are... They're, they're what disposable cinema should be now. You go and you watch a film and you go, that was really good. Not this Transformers, this Marvel shit, which is truly disposable... They were good films that are going to last. Mm. These aren't. And this that's what Richard Donner... Richard Donner is like a blockbuster film director. Uh, and what I think he's made here is a very... Use once and then destroy. And to a certain extent, to everyone else who isn't me, because I fucking love this thing. I love The Omen to death. But if... if to, to, the, to the non-film-aware cinema-goer, for you, Lattley... Um, <laughs> It's it is very use once and enjoy then then let it go and then you can go back and relive the enjoyment again. Just, it's a very sort of visiting day sort of thing. I think it's it. I just think it's it. I don't think it goes far enough. I don't think it's got enough content, as I've said, to warrant it. And in those moments where the scenes are really long and not much is happening, and it's very boring. He could have cut those back and added more in. And I'm not saying more sort of violent horror or more, or at least one jump scare. That's not what I'm saying. But I feel like there are missed opportunities there. His mother was a jackal. Okay. Is that it? 
Yeah, I love is, that. Is that I love all they're going to get? Like, it's like, so why and how does a jackal yeah, give birth I, to them? But I, but I love the way that there's no explanation. See, <laughs> so I'm, it's just I, like, I, his mother was a jackal. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's never on. talk about it again. I mean, I don't particularly want a full-length exposition of how his mum was a jackal. But, you know, at least one moment where Gregory Peck says to himself, how the fuck does a jackal give birth to a son? This is insane. (laughs) This is absolutely insane. How can I believe this? There is none of that. And another interesting point that I thought when I was watching this, John, and we've always said that, you know, cinema and film should be a visual medium first. That's what it's intended for. Um, Nothing drives this film along except for exposition and dialogue. And I was like, I've never noticed it before when I was watching it, I was thinking, this is just lazy. Just lazy, lazy writing. And it could have been so much more than what it was. And even the remake, I mean, it's, it's pretty much shot for shot the remake and that's a shame as well and when I was thinking when I was watching it I was thinking you know you've got three quite good films there because the second two aren't like they aren't bad films the the second two they're they're quite good you've got like three three films worth of content really that you could have used there and maybe you could have created a series on the back of that and I'm not talking about that Damien thing that they tried a few years ago where it was him as a young man like there's more to this story there's more to tell and the, the conspiracy part of it you're right I enjoyed that I enjoyed that aspect of it but it wasn't in there wasn't enough like um, there just there just wasn't enough there and and I think I think he took too much on faith so to speak exactly as I've just said to you where he didn't question the um the jackal, um, but also how nobody contacts the agency that Mrs. Baylock has apparently come from, <laughs> because then they probably would have realised, oh, I don't know who she is, get her out of your house immediately and call the police. Do, do you know what I mean? Problem solved in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> do, do you know I what I mean? You what, when, you, when you critically pan a film, you just destroy it. I've got it's to, just, you just got to go in for the it, kill. It's, honestly, it's, it's, it's like the a boxer that's getting a standing eight count and you, you're you the one that's stopping him going down. You're like raising him back up and twatting him again. <laughs> I mean, this is... Look, I'm always critical of the films that I like the most. You, you, you know this. And I do like The Omen. I do like this film. And I'm, I'm sort of dying to watch the, the second two now because um, I've not watched them in such a long time and I want to see what I feel like about them. Um, but yeah, it's just... There's a lot, there's a lot of problems with it. Can I, can I just say, mm. the best thing about this is going to be after all this, when we get to the verdict and you go, yeah, it's still Nightmare Cinema. <laughs> well, let's go to the verdict then. Have you, have you got anything else to add to that or? Um, Other than I'm wrong, obviously. Well, you are wrong. And if you say it's anything other than Nightmare Cinema, you're wrong again. Because it is, it's a classic. It doesn't. I, I, I take it faults and all. Uh, I think it's. I think it's wonderful. Okay, and what would you vote it as? It's nightmare cinema. It's a. It's up there with the best ever made. Not. No. The, the, it's up there with my favourites. I say. Because okay. it's flawed, but 
by my car. See, I love it. I'd stay for the popcorn with this one. Because, <gasps> I know. I I like it, but it is a very boring film, John. And you know I like slow burn films. But this is like there's slow burn and then there's like slow crash and burn. Uh, nothing happens, John. Is that the same as that rug burn you always talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make your mum joke, but I'm not. I'm going to be good. Um, you no, haven't been good today. <laughs> I have. I've, I've given you valid reasons as to why this film doesn't You've work. given me reasons. They're not valid. And why it doesn't... Why it should be erased from the world. Um, no, I'm only joking. It's not Prince of Darkness. It, it just... I just felt like... <laughs> I, I felt like there were missed opportunities to explore things throughout the whole thing. And if they didn't have dialogue in this film... You, they wouldn't have been able to tell the story um, and that's it's a massive problem for me there so shall we move on so now we are at the portion of the show where we take a look at some of the scariest episodes of TV it could be a horror TV show it could be the 40th anniversary crash of Coronation Street. Um, or it could be the live episode of EastEnders. We just don't know. Whatever scares us from TV, from the world of TV, we will discuss. And this time we are discussing Buffy the Vampire Slayers, season four, episode 10, Hush. Um, so this was written and directed by series creator Joss Whedon. We will not talk too much about him. It's available on Disney Plus, but I would advise you if you do have the DVDs to watch it on DVD rather than on Disney Plus because they have the upscaled HD version, which is very damaging to a TV series like this, which was not filmed in uh, widescreen at all. Um, and they um, th- there's a lot of lighting effects and sort of filters that were used in the original show that do not carry over into the HD version so it looks not very good. Um, Look fine to me. Well, it's a later episode. It's more The problem's more with the first three seasons. So I would probably... If My glaucoma helped. Watch it, on, watch it on DVD. But you're probably missing a lot of information from the screen, John, because yeah. you forced it into widescreen and it's not supposed right. to be. Right. I... <laughs> I, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I understand that it's incredibly important to so many people I know and the world in general. Um, I've never got past season three because mm. it annoys me after that. Why? I just I just get the ick with it. I, 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 it's, it's my fault. It's me. Mm. I'm the problem here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but... <laughs> I just, I, I just get tired. I've tried four or five times to watch to watch it, and I love the first three. I really do. I think it's fantastic, but I, everything after the third, I can't. I just can't do. I just, I just feel there's an arrogance about it. I know it's really weird. You don't have to shout at me. Believe me. I'm I? not gonna shout it yet. I, I, I mean, I can't say that I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I did try to rewatch <laughs> Talking it. Shit. No, 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 no. I did try to rewatch it recently, and I think it, it's a lot. It is a lot. Like those old seasons before they actually cottoned on that they didn't need 22 to 24 episodes a year. Um, 
Yeah, they're, any, they're away. If anything comes out with twenty-two episodes in a season, now that's just gonna get binned straight away. Yeah, I if think it's got the only the only thirteen thing, at the very most. Yeah, the only thing that's about that still does long seasons that I know of is is Grey's Anatomy, um, and I, I honestly don't know how they still think of ideas for for twenty-two to twenty-four episodes. I mean, similarly, if I sat, sat down to, to, to watch The X-Files again, obviously, you know, I love The X-Files. I feel the same. It's like, Jesus, I've got all this to get through when I'm choosing to watch it. Um, it's just, I, can't, I can't concentrate on the theme because each season has a theme. I yeah. don't know if, if Grey's Anatomy does. But that, that wasn't bad either, to be honest. Mm. Um, I mean, Buffy, but, Buffy definitely has a theme each, each year. Um, I get lost with it, though. Yeah, it can... I, I, I sort of do get what you're saying, but what did you think of this episode? Oh, this this episode, it it's it's brilliant. It's oh. just it's just fantastic. It made me it, but it gave me a hollow feeling of happiness. Why hollow? Because because I remembered just how good Al Joss was how before the be, yeah. before the um, the unpleasantness. Mm. I mean, um, creatively, he's probably still the same person, but I mean, he did. Yeah, but make we can't look at him in the Avengers same light. Assemble, and no, no, we can't. We absolutely cannot. Um, and it's just, it's just a, what a tit. Just what a tit. The, the 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 premise for this is nothing short of genius, mm. and the execution equals it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think those. I mean, I I watched it in your HD, whatever that is, and the 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 beasties still looked. Boss, mm. they look dead good. A little bit too clean, but they look they look dead good. Well, they were Freaked gentlemen. The fuck out of me. They were gentlemen, John. Freaked. I like those little. The little weirdos, yeah. Yeah, they were dead good. I love that. I like you a bit. It, <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> um, it reminded me of the old Doctor Who's. It just reminded me of that. See, but, they reminded me more of Dracula. Those guys in the straight jackets. Of Renfield. Mm. Renfield. Aren't they making a um, TV show about Renfield? Yes. They are, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I found out who played him the other day. Oh, what? Because I googled who who played him in the original, in that Bram Stoker's one. The one that Bram Stoker directed. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it was Tom Waits in the, uh, in the, in the oh, Bram right. Stoker one. Okay. Um, but I believe it is... The guy, I'm gonna have to Google it. I don't want to though. Okay. The guy in about a boy. Oh, for God's sake! I don't know. Nicholas Holt. All oh, right. Okay. I won't lie. I googled that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's Nicholas Holt. Um, but yeah. What of sir? Oh, he's so good. Interesting. Very interesting. So, did you find the episode scary? Yeah, it freaked me out. It was it was really well done, but uh, the, my filmmaking spine overtook me, and I was just like, the execution of this is brilliant. Mm. There's, there's no one spoken this, and it's he's pulled it off. Mm. It's a gamble, and he's pulled off. And yeah, I mean, he did, there are a few episodes where he does take some chances, and you know, he really tries to to push things, and but then there are some episodes where it's like. It's his ego, um, like the the musical episode. It was like I've always wanted to write a musical, so I'm going to shoehorn this into Buffy. And at the time, I loved the, the musical episode, but now I'm thinking back and I'm like, you're a knobhead. Like, go and write a musical if that's what you want to do. Like, leave Buffy alone. Um, 
leave Buffy alone. That was a throwback to the Britney thing. I should have said leave know. Gregory alone, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, scathing attack on him. Yes, it's a, it was a toss-up for me whether I was going to choose... He's a tosser! Toss-up. Whether I thought I was you called Gregory Peck a tosser then. Well, exactly. It was a toss-up for me whether I was going to choose this episode or an episode in season seven, which is parts of it are really really scary it's called conversations with dead people but then some of it is a bit of a therapy session for Buffy so I thought it's a bit slow um, um, so I, I picked this one instead and I, I do think it's one of the best seminal episodes of, of Buffy to be honest oh, with you yeah it's, it's story wise it's brilliant um, what was the guy in the army right about. so yeah you do need when you're watching this episode you do need a bit of context and sometimes like I was I was watching it today thinking okay if I didn't know Buffy what would I think and there is a lot there like it's a mid-season episode so a lot has already been set up Um, so the, the, there is under under Buffy's school campus was the Hellmouth as we all know and under her university campus is a government slash military installation called the Initiative, and they um, investigate uh, demonic and paranormal goings on, but not in the same way that Buffy does. So they are more about capture, contain, study, all that sort of stuff. And she does not know until um, the end of this episode. So she knows that there's these guys going around she's seen them about capturing demons and all that sort of stuff and they've crossed path once or twice and she doesn't know that the guy that she's fallen for is involved in the initiative until that point where they come face to face she with her crossbow and him with his his electric gun weapon <laughs> um so okay. yeah it's okay a- and who was the girl that Willow was talking to? So Willow um, goes through a bit of a transition in, in season four. Um, Oz is there at the start, then he leaves. Willow is heartbroken. She mopes about for a long time. Um, and then she meets Tara. This is the first time she's met Tara at this witch group. And obviously um, Willow's witchcraft then becomes sort of a metaphor for her own sexuality and you'll see at that point where she and Tara hold hands um, and they're able to do more powerful magic it's it's that there's the metaphor um, so Tara is a, a witch she's also a thespian and um, a thespian like Gregory, Gregory Peck Gregory Peck wishes he was a thespian um, so they they sort of get together their relationship will blossom and then tragedy strikes obviously because it's Buffy um, I'm just trying to think if there's any more context that you need but I don't think there is really what was the one where the, the girl that Xander was kissing oh Anya you'd love Anya if you'd watched it properly um, so Anya is an ex-demon she's now trapped in a mortal body um, at this point in, in the show and she was about in season three and due to her sort of like straight talking nature um, which could come off as quite cruel um, similar 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 to similar similar to um, uh, Charisma Carpenter's Cordelia who she left amazing. she left at the end of season three so I feel like the sort of pushed Anya in as a bit of a replacement for that sort of comedic um nasty comeback 
um, without intending to be nasty um, replacement sort of and then she she sort of becomes her own character and she's firmly becomes a fan favourite um, I think season 4 is probably my I, I don't like her in season 4 but by season 5 um, I mean it's not that I don't like her I just I didn't really get her purpose uh, but by season 5 6 and 7 she's like her, she's absolutely loved by, by fans of, and, and yeah there's all the context <laughs> that you need okay but yeah it was bloody great I might actually no but go on um I might actually give it a go, but I know that I'm just going to be expecting this level of quality, and I'm not going to get it. So no, do you know what? You you won't. And I I would do yourself a favour, and if you're going to watch it, I'd probably start from the beginning. Um, but you know, don't expect that level of quality for season one and the first half of season two. They were really finding the feet, but by the second half of season two, three, four, five. Uh, I love the first all great. Well, I'm I'm glad, but if you watch it now, you might not feel the same way. Um, season six, not good in my opinion. Um, not good at all. It felt like they didn't really know what to do with the show at that point. Um, there were a lot of weird episodes, a lot of weird goings on, a lot of weird character introductions, a lot of people coming back. Was that when SMG became an uh, an EP? I beg your pardon. Was that when Sarah Michelle Gellar became an executive producer? No, I don't think she ever was a producer. Oh. No, I don't think she ever produced. Um, but I know it was at a time where, obviously, Angel was happening, Firefly was happening. So Joss was getting a lot of things off the ground, and I just feel like he took his eye off the ball with season six. But when we come back to season seven, it's like... A bomb went off in a very good way. Okay, so we usually come to this point now where we sort of maybe pitch some ideas and we've done a lot of pitching, but we had an off-podcast pitch where we <laughs> we sort of shared a very loose idea. Um, so what we're going to go and do is is take that away and develop it a little bit further before we come back and, and discuss it openly um, because we've definitely got the, the core of an idea. We just need to develop it a little bit more. Um, but it is a very exciting thing. I think I'd be thrilled to work on writing it. And um, what do you yeah, think, John? Yeah. I'm, I'm, as I've said, said, said before with this, this. Um, it was a great idea at the time, and now I'm shitting it. <laughs> but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna enjoy yeah. it, and it's gonna be ace. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So we're gonna leave the episode there for now, guys. So um, I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening yet again. Um, and huzzah and hurrah that they argue in his back <laughs> let's see what we can do about it next week because oh no we yes. won't we won't oh yes we fucking will Slap. there we go the venom is back <laughs> okay thank you everybody thank you thank you bye bye, bye.